Well, we're going to continue in our series called Fall Back. And, you know, by now, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, we're looking at just some very important things that maybe we forget, maybe we take our focus off of. And those things we need to really fall back to and pay attention to and look at. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about the importance of giving. The importance of giving. Now, giving is so important. Um, a man, a, a father, was leaving church one day, one Sunday with his family, and he was just complaining. Oh, the sermon was too long. Right, the building was too hot. The music was too loud. Right, the announcements were not clear. You know, just normal complaints like all of us make. Every Sunday, right? So he complained about everything, and, and the son was just like, come on, Dad. Really wasn't that bad of a show for a dollar. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about the importance of giving. Uh, you can re, uh, go on our website and listen to that joke again. If you get it. And I know some of you are saying, oh, no, why did I come today? I wish I would have slept in. Um, and I, I understand that. I understand this is kind of one of those topics that are just, you know, so volatile. And, uh, but I f- can't help it. I feel really led to talk about this. God's word talks about it so much. It's an important topic. Money, finances, resources, it's, it's one of the greatest things that competes with our relationship with God, if not the greatest. And this is why if you, if you even casually read the Bible through, you will see that money, finances is so important. God talks about it so much. Jesus spent 16 of his parables talking about money specifically. As a matter of fact, next to the kingdom of heaven, next to the kingdom of God, money is the second most thing Jesus talked about. What does that tell us? To, to ignore it or pay attention to it. This is one or the, the other. Um, it's, it's so important. Why is that? Another thing, if you read throughout the Bible, you'll see that it's continually an obstacle to faith. Uh, Jesus said this, no man can serve two masters. You're either going to love one or hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He, he put everybody in two categories, right? Either you serve God or you serve money or resources or wealth. Two categories. And, and so the problem is so many people have the wrong view of giving, and that's understandable for non-Christians. We, right? we don't expect them to have a biblical view of giving when they're not, not Christians. But for, for Christians, so many Christians have the wrong view of giving. So many Christians do not give like they should, and I'm not here to try to guilt you. Okay, I'm here just to proclaim the word of God and let the Spirit, Holy Spirit do what he does. Um, I looked at some studies, and they were pretty alarming. And I looked at several of them just to make sure that they, you know, cons- they were consistent. Uh, studies show that 10%, and many of them show that less than 10% of Christians tithe. Let me say what else that means. That means that over 90% don't. Oh, 
And, and look, I just want to say, honestly, openly, I, I, will, I do not and will not judge anyone at all because of that, if, if that's not you, especially if you're going through a financial crisis, especially if you're going through a difficult time. Look, I just got to tell you, I have been there and I understand. I do. I do not. I will not judge anyone. But here's what I don't. Here's kind of where I want to encourage you, encourage us is the Bible teaches us to tithe. And if that's not where we're at, what's the plan to get there? Okay, that, that's, where, that's where I will kind of step in and say, well, offer some encouragement. How, what are your plans to, do, to get there? You know, is it, on, is it somewhere in your future? Are you adding to debt? Are you making a budget? Things, of, things like that. What all, I want all of us to understand is we are to tithe and, listen, not just stop there. Okay, if you look in the Bible, there's tithing, which is 10%. Um, then there's offering. And I, I know the people that made this, the slides really didn't mean this, but offering doesn't count unless it's more than a tithe. Okay, offering is above and beyond the, the tithe. We also see that in God's word. And then we also see this radical offering, crazy offering, like radical giving, things that make you scratch your head and be like, did they just do that? Yeah, they did. We, we're going to read about a story in that today. Um, but, but here's the thing. We know that we're supposed to give. We, and, and many of you, most of you would say, look, I know the Bible tells me that. Well, what, seems, what is the problem, right, with, with us? With, most, with 90% of Christians, what is the issue? I think it's deeper than that. And that's what I want to look at today is, is maybe we could go through a very practical giving message, okay? And I can, I, can, I can tell you to give because the Lord said so, right? But I want to go a little bit deeper and, and allow us to look, look at how important this is. Whether we give or not, how we give, how much or how little we give is this. It's a condition of your heart, that's what I want to talk about, your heart. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew six twenty one. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I tell you this, that's what God is most worried about and concerned with. It isn't your money, it's your heart. Where, where is your treasure? Where are you spending resources? How are you handling money? What are you... All right, what are you focused on? What are you motivated by, right? You, the answer to those questions will tell you not only what you treasure, but where your heart actually is. So this is really straightforward. How, how you view and how you handle money is ultimately a reflection of your heart. Giving is directly related to the condition, condition of your heart, and I want you to write this down. A, a giving God wants his people to have giving hearts. A giving God wants his people to have giving hearts. Here's the thing. The Bible is all about giving. All of it. You might say, well, I thought the Bible was all about Jesus. Yeah, it is. But think of it this way. And Jesus is the object or, or subject. Giving is the verb. All right. Giving is the, 
is the action. I mean, think about, all right, think about what grace is. Grace is a gift, right? Mercy is a gift from God. Love is a gift from God. We talk about breathing as a gift from God. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? Um, Jesus said this himself, no man takes my life from me. I give it freely, willingly, right? Jesus gave his life, and then when he ascended into heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And, and in return, what does he ask? Give me your life. You, you see, the Bible all the way through is really about giving. That is the action. God is a giving God, and he wants us to give our lives to him. Is that, is that you? Are you a giving person? Do you, do you have a giving heart? And I'll just be honest with you, for me, when I, this is really convicting. When I was preparing for this, so I had to kind of look at my heart. And I feel like sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm, giving, I'm a giving person. But that's not the question. Do you have a giving heart? You can give and give and give and give. But do you have a giving heart, ultimately? I want to look at a section of Scripture today, a tale of two different hearts. And, and we haven't done this in a while, but we're going to do it today. This is, I love doing this. I love taking one section of Scripture and just staying there. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John 12. We will be in John chapter 12 for the rest of the morning. No turning to any other uh, verses or, or books. Um, John chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 1. And we're going to see two different hearts here, okay? Verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. So just picture this, okay, um, sort of like what we're getting ready to do in a couple weeks around Thanksgiving. There's a group of people here meeting and gathering, and they're gathering around a table, and they're talking, they're uh, enjoying fellowship together, and, and they're eating, and they're spending time together. And John gives us some details here. This is right before Passover. So literally within a few days, Jesus would be going to the cross. And this takes place in Bethany, and so Jesus was doing his ministry, and near the end of his life, he started making his way towards Jerusalem, and Bethany's sort of like that last stop on the way. And so he, he stops in here before his, his entrance, royal entrance, into Jerusalem. Verse 3, while they were together, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, and what that is, is a, it's oil from a root but not just any root. This root is only found in India. It's just very interesting. You know, I mean, Jerusalem, then you got India. So that tells you, you know, how rare this was for somebody to have this um, where they were at. But anyway, she took this, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So they were all together here. Jesus, his close friends, his disciples, and by this time, um, Jesus had already told them that what he was doing, what his plan was, where he was going. He was going to the cross. And so whether or not they completely got it, the point is, is that they were spending some quality time together. They were spending some time together. 
And Mary used this time to worship, to really turn her attention away from other things and completely focus on Jesus. Verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Verse 6. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. You know, when we look at Judas, what do you think about? You think about the betrayal, right? We don't even really pay attention to this. But look, wasn't he on the wrong path well before that? He was going in the wrong direction. And it's just a wake-up call, really, for a lot of us, you know. Um, you do, if you're going on the wrong direction, you do have an opportunity to change. If you don't, it could lead to worse things. And that's what happened to Judas. He, he questioned what Mary did. He, he questioned the use or, in his opinion, misuse of her resources, He had the wrong motives and really the wrong idea of what giving was all about. And Judas, for all of us, he he shows us the condition of his heart. It's not definitely not in a good place. What does Jesus say? Verse seven. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You know, here we have a tale of two hearts in this. And it's, it, they both involve what? The subject of giving. The subject of giving. Two, they're, they're reacting two different ways here. And Jesus accepted Mary's offering. He accepted her worship. And what did he do to Judas? He rebuked him. He scolded him. Told him that's not the way you act. That's not the way you behave. His heart was in the wrong place. So we see two different hearts. One heart was a giving heart. One heart was not. Which one do you relate to most? That's a tough question which heart represents your heart a giving God wants his people to have giving hearts and as I told you in this just a minute ago this is a struggle for all of us myself included I want to think that I'm giving but many times I'm not how do we get to where we love to give right how do we get to where we we have giving hearts four things during the rest of our time together first we have to develop a love for giving it's something that we have to develop because naturally we don't love to give. Nobody loves to give when they're born, right? And it's something that you develop over time. It doesn't come natural to us. We were born sinners. It's something that we have to work on. Look at verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, and I'm just going to reread what we've already read, but I want us to pick through some things, uh, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And it says expensive perfume there. What's the most expensive cologne or perfume you've ever had? All right. You ever had perfume or cologne worth 300 denarii? Probably have no idea, right? <laughs> uh, 
uh, 300 denarii is 300 days worth of money. That's what this was worth. All right, so, so uh, 300 denarii, for a Jew that would not work on the Sabbath, wouldn't earn a wage on the Sabbath. They also had to go to these festivals throughout the year. So 300 days is about the annual workload for a, for a Jewish person. So what this is saying is, in a sense, what Mary did was she took a year's worth of her wages and gave it. How many of us would do that? Or be willing to? Well, that's, you, see, you, see the, you see the radical giving here? This is one of those where we just like, oh, that's cool. And then, man, I hope God doesn't ask me to do that. <laughs> you know. What did she do? She gave it and she poured it out. She didn't dab it. I know a lot of people use these essential oils, right? And you, you know, that dab, right? Or you might have the droppers and you just, because that stuff's expensive, right? I mean, like 40 bucks, a little, you know. Or, you know, you, some of the guys, you might use the Old Spice and dab it. She didn't do that. She, she poured it. And, and here's the thing. There is no record of Jesus asking her to do that. She willingly did it. She could have gave however much she wanted. What did she do? She, she gave it all. And what's in there, interesting in another story um, Jesus and his disciples were at the temple complex and they were, they were just talking to each other and what would happen is people would come and they would give and these giving boxes would be outside of the temple, sort of like our giving boxes here, but they would be outside. And so people would come up and, and give and, and many times they would take their coins and slam them real loud so people would hear, hey, I'm giving, ding, yes, yeah, sort of like the spittoons. You remember the, you know, back in the cowboy days, whatever. But ding look at me, I'm giving. In, the, in this context, Jesus sees a widow, an elderly woman, slowly walking, quietly, up to the, the offering box. And he sees her drop in two pennies. And nobody else knew what was going on but Jesus because he's God. He told his disciples, he said, look at all these people and then look at her. She gave two pennies, but she gave more than everybody else because she gave all she had. Now again, in that context, did Jesus ask her to do that? No. She just did it. She wanted to. She gave from the heart is what the scripture tells us. She gave from the heart. Look, so this, we can get caught up in amounts. We can get caught up in this or that. That is of limited importance when compared to the condition of the heart. It's all about the heart. It's having a heart that loves to give. That's why the Bible says it's so much better to give than to receive. So much better. Um, Callie, my daughter, she loves to give things. She's a giver. She has a giving heart, a little too much. Um, 
but she's always like making things and drawing things. And so um, you should see my fridge. It's like I, they're, they're, you don't make a magnet strong enough to put everything on there. But everything she makes and draws and she comes to me and she says, Dad, I made this for you. I want to give it to you. And not expecting anything in return, right? Other than maybe, you know, my attention. She's not trying to get me to buy her anything. Um, you know, no, no ulterior motive. She's a giver. She wants to give. Because she loves me. And I think, man, why can't, I want to be like that with God. And I, I think that's how we need to be. We just need to love to give. Not to give just in order to give but because we love, because that's a condition of our heart. So we need to, to develop that. The second thing we need to do is fight the tendency to be selfish. Look, hey, all right, let's just come to reality. We are selfish, aren't we? We are selfish. You'll be better off if you just go ahead and admit it. We are selfish people. That is our natural tendency, you understand? We are born sinners. We are born selfish. That is who we are. It's been a problem from the very beginning of time. And it's been a problem from the very beginning of your time. When you were little, your parents will tell you, man, you were selfish. When, when those of us that have kids now, you know what I'm talking about. When they get old enough to talk, what do they say? Mine? Uh, do they say it once? No, it's like finding Nemo, those little seagulls that just say, mine, 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 mine. You know, I hear that in my house, and it's just, mine, 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 mine. I'm like, ah, I don't care whose it is. You can have this, and you can have that. Sometimes God does that to us, doesn't he? When we say, mine, 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 no, he gives, and he takes away. He does. Many adults say mine too. We, we have a natural tendency to hold on to money and other things and forget about giving. We don't even like to share. We do not like to share. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Men, we don't like to share food. No way. All right, I'm going to see if this is just me. When you're out with your wife and you order food, has this ever happened to you? Like she orders for you and she says I'll have this and you get some of that because I want to try some of yours that don't make sense you know if you want to try some of mine why don't you just order it for you and I'll order what I want and I'll eat what I order and you order what you want and you eat what you order why is that that hard am I <laughs> am I right or am I just correct does ever, that happen to everybody Right, say so we don't even like to share, do we? No, we don't. Um, I know. I know. Reading this, I couldn't help but notice how selfish Judas was. He was primarily he he attacked somebody for giving. He was extremely selfish. He was primarily concerned with himself and what he could keep. He called out Mary for being giving, but look at what it says in verse six. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. 
As keeper of the money bag, he used to keep, help himself to what was put in it. How many of you would take money out of the offering plate as it went by? Don't Raise your hand and we'll bypass you the next time. <laughs> How many of you would do that? Like it went by like... I know a guy who made change once. That was weird. You know, put, okay. Um, all right, so none of us would do that. But listen, aren't we doing the same thing when we don't give back to God? I'm going to say that again, just so I offend everybody. Aren't we doing the same thing when we don't give back to God? Uh it's interesting this word thief is used here for Judas and and we read back in Malachi which is the go-to book when you do a sermon on giving I was almost going to do that this week I'm like well you know that's what everybody does I want to do something a little deeper Malachi is an interesting book it's a conversation between God and 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 man and it goes back and forth and and it talks about wealth and finances and and God calls out the people for not giving correctly to him and not having a heart that is giving and what does he call people that don't give? He says, you have robbed me. Wait a minute. Just because I don't give, I'm a robber? That's what God says. You, you have robbed me. And it's interesting here that, that Judas is referred to as keeper of the money bag. He was the keeper of the money. He helped, and he helped himself. When we don't give, all right, look, I know this is convicting when we don't give, who are we thinking about? Are we not helping ourselves? Mm. There's a, all right, so to make this easier, we, we want to be giving. We want to have giving hearts, and giving starts with a G, okay? Who, what else starts with a G? God. Uh, we want to avoid selfishness. Selfishness starts with an S. What else starts with an S? Satan. All right. I'm not going to get all super wacko spiritual on you here, but God wants us to be giving. Who wants us to be selfish? Right. Look at the beginning. Look at the temptation. Look at the selfishness. You can have this. You can be like this. You don't need to be this way. You can be like that. God is a giving God. Let me ask you a question. Let me. All right. Let me ask you a very important question. Why would God create giving anyway? If he didn't need it, if he doesn't need anything, if he can snap his fingers and have anything, why would he create giving for us? That's just it. He created it for us, for you, for me. He created giving so that we would not be selfish. You see that? A giving heart is the opposite of a selfish heart. So to be less selfish, we need to be more giving. A third way to have a giving heart, and we're going to transition here, is to remember who God is. Remember who God is. Who who was Mary ministering to? Jesus. That's right. It's clear when we read this who her focus was on. Who was she giving to? Jesus, the Lord She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly who she was giving it to. There was no question. There was no doubt. There was no gray area for her, right? She was focused on Jesus. Look at verse 8. 
And Jesus says this, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You will always have me. And what Jesus was saying here is what Mary did is exactly what she needed to do. It's okay. She did the right thing because I am here. Here's the thing about Mary. She realized who was in the room. She realized there was a special guest in the room. A guest of honor. She realized what the most important thing was in the room. She realized what the most valuable thing in the room was. And guess what? It wasn't her perfume. It wasn't her year's worth of wages. And it definitely wasn't Judas who was giving her a hard time. How many, look, I know way too many times we give negative people attention that talk negative in our lives and we spend all our time worried about them when we should be focused on Jesus. Mary never ever took her focus off of the Lord despite the negativity. Is that encouragement for you today? Man, she realized who God was. She knew he was in the room and at some point we have to realize who God is, what he means to us. Is he God to us or not? Is he important to us or not? Is he worthy to us or not? Does he have tremendous worth or not? Does he have authority over our life or not? Many times we simply ignore the fact that God is in the room, that God is with us. And in order to have a giving heart, we need to always be mindful that he is in the room at all times because as Christians, he is in your heart. You can't escape him. He is in your heart. And here's what Jesus said. Either I'm in there or money. There's not room for both of us. Mm. We are to have a giving heart because of who God is. He's our Lord. He is our master and he is with us. Well, the final way to have a giving heart is this. I'm going to close with this. Remember what God did. I don't know if you picked up on this or not. But who was at the table with him? Lazarus, okay, all right, so zombie guy, dead, dead Lazarus guy, Do you, go back and read this please, just look, here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, so dead Lazarus zombie guy, is it a lazy boy? right? He's just hanging out. They're just doing all this stuff and, and enjoying all this time together. And here's Lazarus. Wow. Just, just two months before this, two months, Lazarus was dead. He was stinking dead. That's what the scriptures say. He was smelling. He was dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I know for a fact that Lazarus would never forget that. But who else do you think that had an impact on? Mary. Right? If you go back and read that account, Martha was the one who ran out first uh, to Jesus as he approached their village, you know, after Lazarus died. After talking with Martha a little bit, Jesus specifically asked for Mary. 
and she came out and, uh, you know, he talked to her a little bit. And, and after Mary's encounter with Jesus, we have these two famous words, Jesus wept. And motivated by emotion and love for them, for her, for Lazarus, for his family, he went and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Isn't that good? And, and here in this account, it says, Mary poured out her perfume and she cleansed the feet of Jesus with her tears. I wonder if she remembered that Jesus wept for her. And she, she dried his feet with her hair. I think she remembered what he did for her. She did. Um, folks, we should never get over what Jesus did for us. We should never get over being saved. Never. We should never get over God's amazing grace and love for us. Never. Never. If you're here and you're a Christian, the Bible teaches us that before Christ came into our lives, we were dead. We were dead. And, and because of Christ, because we have placed our faith in the living one, we have become living. We need to remember that. We need to remember what Jesus did. I think if we keep our focus on that fact, we will be where Mary was, at the feet of Jesus, and not across the table like Judas with a terrible negative heart. We will be at the feet of Jesus. Remember what, remember we talked about worship last week? Remember what proskuneo was? Do you see the worship in that? At the feet of Jesus. And when we are at the feet of Jesus, nothing is off the table as far as us giving it to him because he is worthy of everything, especially our lives. God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave his life, and now we are to be willing to give ourselves to God. Amen? That's just something we got to fall back to. we got to. Too many times we get off track and we focus on ourselves. We need to get back to focus on Jesus and live this life with, with open hands and with open hearts because God is a giving God and he wants us to have giving hearts, right? At the bottom of your bulletin there, I've got a section that we rarely don't even talk about, but it says, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? I don't know how God spoke to you today. Um, maybe you need to work on giving. Maybe you don't give. Maybe you give a little bit. Maybe you give a lot but you just, your heart's not right. Maybe when you give a lot, you, you regret it, right? Um, or it frustrates you. Let's not get focused on the amount or how often. Let's focus on the heart. And from that will flow joy and thankfulness for who God is and what God did. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message. Father, as we read uh, this account, we do see a tale of two hearts. We see a giving heart and we see a selfish heart. I know because of sin, we struggle with selfishness and pride. Father, help us to combat that. Help us to develop a love for giving. And we can do that simply by focusing on you and realizing who you are to us. You are God. You are Lord. You are our Father and you are good. 
Help us to realize that you're always with us. We are always in your presence through your spirit. And then help us to realize and never forget what you did for us in order for us to have a relationship with you. You showed how much love you had for us by giving your greatest possession in all of uh, your life and your son Jesus. As Mary poured out all of her perfume on your feet, your son poured out all of his blood for us. Help us never to forget that and to realize the blessing that we have just by being able to approach you and to kneel at your feet and worship you. And we can do that by giving our lives to you, by saying, God, whatever I have is yours. Help us to have the right hearts and live this life thankful and joyful and loving because that is what you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen.